This is Women in STEM Career and Confidence, the podcast for scientific and professional women who want to restore confidence, make meaningful impact, and balance the things and people that mean most to them. I'm Dr. Hannah Roberts, and I'll be sharing with you insights and inspiration into the mindset and skill set to help you navigate your career and lead powerfully. The pandemic has often been called the great big pause. A time where people were able to slow down long enough to see what was and wasn't working in their lives. Today's guest, Dr. Judith Simon, had that exact revelation. It was time to move beyond academia. And she embarked on coaching with me to help support that transition and stop the slip back into bad working habits. So in the episode today, we talk about the fact that she had to go on an emotional journey of acceptance and letting go during that transition. And that had to happen before she went for interviews for new roles. So she didn't have that syndrome of, I've got one foot in and one foot out going on. We also discussed how she defined her career values and used them as a template for fulfillment in the transition from postdoc to medical writer. And we also looked at how she used her basic need for connection to others to create a great work-life balance. She's truly an inspiration and I can't wait for you to hear her story. Let's dig into today's session. So welcome Judith to the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And I wondered if you could just kick us off by introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you're currently doing. Sure. Um, so my name is Judith. I work as a medical writer at Archeon Plus since last year. And this is a consulting firm that uh, provides regulatory services for companies that uh, sell medical devices. Uh, this is a, a remote job and I'm based in London together with my partner and dog. Uh, next to work, I love exploring the city. Um, I like creative activities such as crochet and painting, and I love running. Perfect. Thank you so <laughs> much. Um, yes, I absolutely remember all of your crochet activities from our coaching. <laughs> I've seen a few of your um, your projects, definitely. Yeah, it's a result from the COVID period, uh, and it's, it's still a hobby. <laughs> <since> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, so I wondered if we could start the discussion by just giving me some information about what was really happening in your life in the lead up to starting coaching with me. So what what led you to want to even begin that kind of journey? Yeah, so as I said, uh, at the moment, I'm a medical writer. But before that, I worked in academia with a focus on cancer research. And was doing that for almost 10 years. Um, I did my studies and PhD research all in the Netherlands. And then in 2018, I moved to London for postdoctoral research. And uh, yeah, all um, over those years, enjoying those research activity. And at the time that I heard that I could move to London for follow-up research, it also felt like a dream coming true. Uh, because during my studies, I did an internship in Cambridge for a short time frame and I really loved living in England and then uh, yeah to here to be able to live in England again for a longer time that was amazing news so I was really excited to start and also excited to be part of a research group that was following for some time 
which was a great opportunity. And I had the privilege, uh, whilst I was one year there doing my research, to extend my project for another two years with my own funding. Um, so all these steps within my research career, yeah, I'm really thankful for. And I also had in mind for a long time that this was the thing, like, this is what I want to do. I want to have my own lab in the future. It, it was really something that I wanted to go for. But after about two or three years of my postdoc, I started to feel different about staying in academia. And around that time, also the lockdown happened. So after almost being 10 years highly involved in lab-based work, uh, I suddenly was, as most people, out of the lab because they, they were closing and um, yeah, had more time. So thoughts about leaving academia, I think were already a bit ongoing in my mind before the lockdown started. But because of the lockdown, I had more yeah, yeah like uh, rest and time to think about these things was not distracted by experiments. So I realized then I needed something different or at least explore what would be out there. And one motivation of this was because I noticed while we the lab was closed, I did not miss lab work. And importantly, I did not have the same excitement to start experiments as I used to do before. So I didn't recognize that part of myself anymore. Because um, as the lab was closed, we were still having meetings online, uh, trying to plan ahead, read papers, think of future experiments that we could do once the lab would open again. And I just missed the spark that I had in the years before and the same kind of enthusiasm that I used to have before we were, when we were discussing these experiments. And I thought this is not a good sign. Um, but it was also a bit of scary realization because for years I did not think of something else. And I also realized like the mentors I had up to that point, they were, uh, they are great, but they have been only within academia. For example, my PhD supervisor also admitted that the saying, like when I was asking for next steps in career, that he could perfectly advise me about giving guidance on, um, uh, yeah, what's what I can do within academia because that's what he's familiar with. So I don't blame previous mentors, but it's just, uh, yeah, I felt like I've been a bit in the academic uh, bubble. And uh, when it comes to career advice, and I had just a handful, not many, but some people that I know that made the transition from academia to elsewhere. Uh, so I went back to LinkedIn to reach out to them. Uh, and before I was not so active on LinkedIn, but being there following posts, I think I also came across to, uh, your yeah post on breakthrough calls. And um, yeah, that's actually where the coaching session started uh, because while, while I was reading it, I thought this is really helpful and it sounds exactly as something that I need at this stage. <laughs> yeah, make, makes sense as well. It's, uh, I do find that actually because I'm on link to, LinkedIn all the time, a lot of people who then start to think about changing their careers suddenly go back to LinkedIn, you know, after using it like a dusty old CV or not really being so active. Um, and suddenly go, oh, there's all these really interesting things happening in in that professional space. Um, and a lot yeah. of people do come across me that way. I just wanted to pick up on a few things that you talked about there, because I think they're really important points, actually. The first being that um, it's really easy to get caught up in a an academic pathway or a certain job pathway because it feels like there's logical steps that you follow to get to a final destination mm -hmm. and sometimes that pause or that break and a lot of people might have experienced this during COVID 
having that pause and that break gives you time to really evaluate if that is the pathway within which you want to follow or if it's something that's just kind of unfolded in front of you or if over the period of time you just change your opinion about what you need and want some value in the <laughs> in your work the other point that I wanted to bring in was um really interesting what you said about mentorship um we often look at the distinctions between therapy coaching and mentors and I kind of wanted to offer some of those distinctions to people who are listening in case like um in case it was helpful so I tend to think of therapy as being looking at stuff from the past in order to gain clarity around what's happened in order to feel you know better in the present and then take that forward uh, into the future the coaching for me is around um looking at what you want out there in the future so defining what that is and then taking micro steps in the present to move you closer and closer to what it is that you really want and that's also a part of that is um overcoming personal limitations in order to do that and then the mentorship piece is really interesting because often coaching and mentorship is um can can feel similar in a little bit of a way but a mentor is someone who's walked the path that you want to walk and can make that pathway easier smoother faster because they've already done the thing it is that you want to do so I highly recommend if people are looking at career changes that they find a mentor who is relevant to what it is that they they want to do in the future um and the final thing that I wanted to bring in there was when you said huh I no longer felt excited about the experiments that I was planning or the the things I was doing in my work and that felt scary and I see a lot of things out there in LinkedIn and other places that talk about job changes and pivoting in careers as a purely practical uh, exploration of CVs, cover letters, how to speak to recruiters, all the practical stuff without really addressing the fact that I, I personally believe that it's a massive emotional journey as well really mm-hmm. it, it is an emotional journey to change careers to change perspective on what you thought you were going to to do and to make those transitions because change can be um and induce fear and uncertainty induces fear as well so I wondered um is it okay to ask you how you felt in that transition as well yeah it's exactly what you said I think because my vision and again, my mentors within academia have been great. And my vision was also so focused on those opportunities. Um, yeah, so I had to be informed about all the options. And um, yeah, and I definitely felt those emotions or the burden around switching. Uh, because that also has been, I think, the block for me most of the time to make the final decision to switch. Um, the switch was sinking in a lockdown but it was definitely not an overnight decision to move from academia to elsewhere so as we discussed lockdown was critical to came to the realization that the change was needed but it still took i think some months like for me to make the final decision to go actually for interviews for other jobs and i think the reason was that when the lab reopened um so after three months being uh, not in the lab i was back in old work habits and patterns for some time 
and you're slowly getting back to you know the yeah the basic <laughs> lab life um but after a while it was my partner partner who also told me when i uh, came back after some working hours yeah i think you really have to consider and change now because i can see this is making you unhappy <clears throat> and that was sort of the final call for me okay um i really have to find something else so overall it took time and yes there were emotions around it because you invest so many years in something that you feel like um yeah it feels like you're giving up that part um which is of course not true that we can touch on later because you will definitely develop skills that are applicable for other jobs but that's just sort of um yeah the emotional emotional circle that i was stuck in to make the switch so it was not easy uh, but to have a change of mindset and i think most importantly where you jumped in and helped with as well later to have uh this um acceptance that it is okay to switch and this also came um, after speaking to others who made the transition and what's that like speaking to you speaking to family just to realize like another job closer to your character will be good for you so yeah there's definitely a burden when it came to saying goodbye to academia um, academia has its known downsides because you have to constant cycle pressure to publish and funding etc but I also had a great time in science. So there was also like a lot of nostalgia coming around this, right? It's not like that I had horrible colleagues or something that I wanted to leave. Like thinking back of the years in academia brings a lot of happy memories. And I'm thankful for all the opportunities, like I said, that I could uh, move here to England and uh, meeting people from all different backgrounds and cultures. And I got to work on exciting projects with uh, yeah, great mentors. And I guess I was lucky in every lab that I worked in that I was surrounded by lovely people. And I also found my partner in my PhD research group. So it was also a combination of uh, feeling that a, a chapter, you know, like an important chapter of my life was coming to an end. So... Yeah, that was, I think, a summary of how I felt around the transition. <laughs> I love that nostalgic look back at academia as well, you know, to meet your uh, partner, now fiancé. <laughs> yes. <sir. laughs> Congratulations again. Oh, okay. This is a recent thing. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and like you say, when you're moving from another country to integrate into life, um, colleagues and friendships become like important it's like your extended family as well so um... yeah, definitely they, they really have been yeah my family especially when I was much younger and then moved to uh, Cambridge for a short internship I was in an international student house and and everyone was like in the same boat you know like you and then you have dinners together so it's all yeah it still brings like a lot of happy memories when I think back of that it was very yeah important um, states also personally to develop to become this yeah more independent basically and I know for you because we've talked about this before actually where you said that that emotional journey of processing um, and coming to terms with leaving academia was an important part of being able to actually go for interviews to do that process actually before you decided to apply for other jobs was really critical otherwise you would have had one foot in, one foot out, neither mm -hmm. kind of um, really going for it nor really letting go either. You okay to say a little bit about that process as well? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And I think it was also very important. Like you can't, I think it's personal because I could not predict how much time I would need to 
go through this uh, moment until you feel acceptance. And for some people, for the set, maybe it could be an overnight that like the next day they wake up and say, okay, it's done. I do something else. <laughs> but yeah, for me, it took some months. And um, and I think it's really necessary that for me to be fully dedicated to the interviews that I was going to do then at the moment that I decided to leave, to be fully dedicated and not having this, uh, yeah, one foot in the lab and one foot elsewhere, as you said. So uh, yeah, really important to do the processing before you start the switch. Yeah, yeah. And then when it comes to our work together in the coaching and what you were really hoping to get out of the coaching together, can you remember the kind of the key things that you wanted to achieve as a result of the coaching? Um, yeah, I think one of the most helpful tools, especially when we just started, like from the break to call to, yeah, when I started in my new job was to make a template to have some more focus in my job search. Um, because as I explained, it was actually on a point that I just made a decision before we started coaching, yes, I want something else, but what is it and what will be a good fit? Like that that was then the following, following up questions. And I think, uh, yeah, creating this template together has been very valuable for me to define what are actually the key elements that I liked in academia and what would then be a better fit for me when it comes to further career growth. And if I remember well, we came to the conclusion, yes, I like to still have the connection to science, but maybe a bit more closer to application uh, because that's important for me also to have uh, more variety in science. It came to a point, well, yeah, it's usually the case because you research a really specific protein or pathway and, and I um, had the needs to read read more about different topics and to expand my field of interest. Um, we also discussed like that in science, you will have people you work with, you'll have your collaborators, but although you have others in the lab um, where you work with, I felt over the time as you grow more in science, you become more of the main driver of the project and that started to feel isolating to me. So yeah, we came to the conclusion, if I experienced that in that way, that more team-based work would be a good fit for me. And most importantly, we concluded that I need a job where I could have a good work, a uh, good work-life balance. So for me, it was really important because basically now going into job interviews, I felt like I had a template, I had this list of values, and I felt more confident when I was uh, starting to go into interviews because it felt like I yeah, had this checklist that I could use to see if the job would be a good for, fit for me or not. So it made it easier for me to find a job that suits me well. Yeah, that's one kind of piece of the overarching puzzle that I talk about when we try to define someone's value. So you're talking there, and um, for those who are listening, going, how do I get this template? How do I get this blueprint? <laughs> They're basically your career values, the things that are going to make you happy and fulfilled in the work that you're doing. And you can create a list of career values and then uh, sort of score them against your current role. And you can look at how do I get more of what I do when out of my current role while I'm like going through the process of transition to try and improve the current situation. But also when you have decided to pivot or move beyond what you're doing, you can use it as a blueprint against uh, job specifications, you can use them as um, questions that you need to get answers to in order to decide whether or not you want to take a role. So whether that's an informational interview or during an interview, you can ask lots of questions to make sure that this is going to be a good fit 
for you and that you're going to get the things that you need to make you happy and fulfilled. I often find that those job specifications um, don't always tell the truth about the reality of what a job actually entails. So making sure that you can ask the right questions um, is also important. But I know that one of the things that you talked about in your career values was variety in the Mm -hmm. work that you're doing. And I know that that is a key piece of your talent dynamics profile, which is a profile that describes your natural talents and strengths, and you can create leadership pathways from there. So I know that this was actually a pivotal point in uh, our coaching when you discovered your natural talents. And I wondered if you could tell everyone a bit more about that journey. Yeah, that was really eye-opening for me. Uh, It was also such another approach than that I was used to um, in academia before, because usually then the focus is on what skills are you lacking? Like, what do you need to add to your skill set? And now we were having a coaching session, uh, providing a tool with a, a really different perspective. Like, what is your natural talent? So what do you already like have within you? And know this, how can you further expand on these natural talent skills to be more in your workflow? So it really comes like from... No, already having a sort of talent and expanding on that. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed going through this during the session. And, yeah, we discovered, as I said, like that what I love most in the lab was working with others, especially guiding new people in the lab. And this is what brings me most enthusiasm. And, um, yeah, it, it is, I think, yeah, really insightful. But it was also... Um, I think funny because we discussed this natural dynamics during one of our sessions. And one week later, my company announced that they were um, start a new role within the company that will be available, focusing on people leadership, what they call a capability manager. So these managers specifically focus on the development of others, like as I said, for guiding and mentoring. And then when I was reading the job description, I realized that that's exactly in line with what we discussed during our sessions. Um, so that sounds like something that will be a good fit for me. And I'm not in this role yet uh, because, you know, I need a bit more experience in certain areas to be able to provide this guidance um, within the company itself because I did guidance, yeah, like I said, in academia, but um, just since last year in this uh, company. But they are aware um, and they are helping me to grow it into this role. So having more mentoring options within the team for new writers, but also offering training and people leadership skills so I'm in the process. I'm really enjoying it because, yeah, it's it's a follow-up for more session. And also knowing that um, I will be able to grow into in a role if I have this opportunity within the company where I'm now that fits within my natural t- talents, gives a lot of yeah comfort or confirmation that I'm in the right place. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I love that description of it. Um, is it okay if I just pull out a few of the key points there for people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so when we're trying to make career pivots, sometimes you can make, um, like, we don't have to make all of the pivot in one go. And sometimes it's a case of uh, using what you have already to make a transition and then making a further alignment into um, more of your natural talents or um, more of your values. So it's things that you can Uh, keep pivoting over time to get you closer and closer to what we call your bliss point 
or actually feeling uh, really purposeful, fulfilled uh, and happy and masterful at what you're doing. So what I think um, I've noticed with Judith is you've taken all of your skill set from academia, which enabled you to have a smooth transition with the skill set you already had beyond academia. So that was like first pivot point. And then as you've understood your natural talents in that role more acutely, you were then looking out for opportunities to develop in those areas. And then lo and behold, uh, a job opportunity internally became available, which is more aligned with those talents. So even though you haven't um, obviously got that opportunity right now, it was probably a bit too soon after uh, first transitioning. But now you're able to articulate what you do when you're on the radar at work for moving into those positions. And you've got ongoing conversations with your manager about developing the skill set to be able to move into more of your natural talents in the future as well. So getting an experience of that day to day. Um, and I wondered now that it, it's all out there in the open about what you're, you know, where you want to head in your workplace, what you're talented for, um, and improving upon those skill sets. Has that changed your, I don't know, levels of fulfillment at work compared with when you first started um, and the activities you were doing at work then? Yeah, it feels really good. It feels more focused because now you know what to select or what you uh, know what will give you this fulfillment. Um, just to give an example, another training was offered, but I was just not being the same excitement about growing into that direction. So I can just honestly tell and, and they are open to offer something else that is that are, are a bit of better fit for me. Um, so, yeah, uh, similar as jumping into the job interviews, now also being in the job itself to have a clear definition of uh, the work values that you want to know. Uh, work with but also the, the the things that brings you joy that are close to your natural talents it gives yeah a lot of or calm or focus um, around the, the work itself and I love that because often <laughs> we kind of assume that we're going to have to move again beyond this workplace in order to get what we want but actually the more forthcoming we can be and articulate about what it is that we want the more those opportunities um, can manifest in the current situation as well. So, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm a big advocate for figuring out your natural talents, your values, your vision, purpose, mission in life so that you can be really clear in yourself. And that helps you to be able to identify opportunities wherever they might come as well. So I wondered, Judith, if you could tell us if there were any other insights from the coaching or tools that you found particularly helpful. Uh, yes, I was thinking of uh, two tools that we uh, discussed during coaching. So first one I found really helpful was to define the basic needs. Um, so it was really important to hear from you that, uh, you know, to define these kind of basic needs <laughs> also to enjoy work most because if you know what you need next to work and also plan it in actively in your uh, uh, week ahead of your work week it just gives a lot of calm as well um, and we discovered that my most most of my most important needs is connection so that basically I need to see people every day 
and uh, I think you also said like it's as important as food and sleep yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes it, and it, I know that sounds a bit um crazy but it actually yeah. is so there's kind of this um like hierarchy of needs according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs um and basic needs fall under the category of food sleep water movement fresh air or alone time <laughs> um I just call it fresh air time um <laughs> and connection time and for some people it might also involve um prayer and other things so everybody will have their own unique set of basic needs and these are just things that you need uh to be okay and functioning in the world not like tap dancing on the table that would be like overflowing <laughs> with all kinds of things um but these are just your stable needs that you need to replenish on either a daily or a weekly basis and yeah for you it was really interesting to find just how important connection with other people was in order for you to be just okay and functioning in the world and when you made that move in beyond academia into RQM plus you suddenly found yourself going from you know being in work in the lab surrounded by people going for breaks with people to suddenly working remotely in yeah. your house <laughs> by yourself so I think that's when it became really clear and distinct just how important this connection was so that actively planning for connection in a week ahead or in the months ahead, actively planning it into the calendar in the same way you would plan in what time you're going to go to the gym or um, exactly. other things <laughs> like that. It became that important to you in order to be able to be okay and functioning in the world without feeling, you know, really un unhappy with the remote working. Is that kind of fair to say? Yeah, yeah, because of course I speak virtually to colleagues, but I, I also need like this, yeah, to see people in real life. And that <laughs> it really helped just to check my calendar before starting work or, or even the, for the month. And uh, yeah, just check like, do I have social activities planned for this week uh, or what's coming up? And, and just already seeing them and being planned, that helps. Uh, but also, of course, still keep space for spontaneous meetups. And um, it's also easier now than when I started because it was still part lockdown. But from this year, I have the opportunity to follow classes after work. Uh, gyms are more open, you know, so I can go to group uh, classes. Um, so or around lunchtime, I can meet with another a friend or my old lab mates are still close to here. So sometimes I try to go there for a meetup. Um, yeah, so basically planning the moments for connection are are. Are really helpful for me yeah I think that's really brilliant how intentional you've been about this particular basic need and they sound really simple don't they to achieve like oh food sleep water exercise yeah. connection alone time like how hard could that be yeah but you yeah. really pay attention not to <laughs> let it slip away <laughs> exactly yeah. and yet the in reality they're some of the hardest things to achieve for me, it's always like the sleep thing, making sure that I get enough sleep is critical to actually meeting all of the other basic needs. Like if I get, you know, an eight hour sleep opportunity, I'm more likely to exercise. I'm more likely to make good nutritional choices. I'm more likely to mm -hmm. go out and seek connection with other people and things like that. So each person will have these basic needs and there's usually one or two that, um, 
consistently don't get met or get overridden by other things. And they're the ones to really focus on first to get in place in order to make the whole system work. Um, and we're usually not our best selves when we're lacking in basic needs. That's when we fall into, you know, superwoman mode or, um, you know, I call them like bitch, martyr and victim mode as well. But it's really easy to fall into an under-resourced state when we don't meet the basic needs. So mm -hmm. they're the first port of call really in order to be resourced enough to change behavior or do something differently. But we can't do that in an under-resourced state. So I love that you brought basic needs in. I think they are so underrated and yet um, critical for yeah, each and every person. Yeah. Yeah, I still use it and it's just really important to, you know, uh, keep having this balance of work and your basic needs. Yeah, uh, for sure. They, the they feature every single week in my weekly plans, basic needs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what was your second tool? Yeah, um, this is, uh, yeah, one of the smaller ones I think we discussed um, early in our sessions, but still something that I try to remind myself about is the bridging rituals. Um well, it's close to basic needs as well, because what I try to do is uh, walking the dog and having her walks to define my working hours around that. So setting some um, yeah, items in, for example, the morning block and afternoon block that I want to do. You know, so I will start with the walk, then have that list. And again, after lunch, going out, have some fresh air, and then there's the next block of work. So that's how I try to and still feel uh, yeah, comfortable about it, but how I plan in my uh yeah work, working from home mm, I love that so yeah. for those who don't know what a bridging ritual is if you're listening in a bridging ritual is something that helps us to make a transition in our day so often uh, people will be making transitions from like home life in whatever way that looks like into work mode and then at the end of the day or different times of the day then closing off from work and opening back up to home life whether that's as um, like by yourself, with a partner or with a family, we all have different modes we have to switch into. And a bridging ritual is something that's just uh, super simple, but helps us to make that transition so that we don't uh, have what we call energetic leakages into other areas of our lives. So this is when you might be at home, in my case, with my family and my partner, but your work brain is still switched on and you're still mm -hmm. mulling over the stuff. So you're not fully present for the things and people that mean most to you. So a, a ritual, whether that's walking the dog, having a shower, changing your clothes, meditating for five minutes, lying on the floor for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Uh, reprioritizing your work list for the next day anything rubbing of some nice smelling hand cream in your hands and smelling it just anything that will trigger you to go okay this is the end of this part and I'm opening up to this other part of my life making that transition um, and that will be both a physical thing but also a mental switch as well just helping you to make that shift so I love that you found a ritual that's still working for you and that you're utilizing. And it sounds like the dog's getting a lot of benefit from bridging rituals as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Love that. <laughs> um, so I just want to ask you, because um, I want to make sure that we have accurately kind of 
represented the what you want to say about your journey and coaching is there anything else that we haven't mentioned yet that you would really like to add when it comes to coaching or the tools um well not specifically for a thing that i need as much as my current job but just some communication tool sets that to be addressed when i um, had to announce my transition to my uh, previous manager um, that was, yes. so, so sometimes I, uh, it was just very brief but you gave me sort of like checklists how to go through like flow to go to the conversation and um, yeah I'm still reminded by that or to uh, I was I've been coming back somewhere last month because a friend of mine was going to something similar and it's like uh, yeah to some tools how to clearly communicate like um what you're going to do, what you need from this person. And yeah, just to prevent like uh, further re work requirements to have a very clear communication of, of uh, the next step. Yes, mm -hmm. the non-confrontational conversation time. <laughs> yes. I have to say. So I, I lost the name, but that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, I think that one was um, asking for what you need. Um, but it might have been an adaptation of that for this particular purpose, that they are some of the most well-used tools out of all of my toolkit of resources that I um, provide to my clients um, to help them make the changes that they want to. And conversation templates can be really helpful to um, feel more confident going into uh, what might feel like a challenging conversation with someone knowing that both parties are set up to win in that conversation and every time we get a good result with them there's like that muscle memory of oh this conversation template works I'm going to use it again in this context or in a different context so um, I find them really really um, a fantastic um, sort of tool to keep coming back to as well. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Something else is popping up in my mind. Uh, the cycles um, that that can affect your state of work, state of mind, um, was also insightful <laughs> for some people. It's very logical; they recognize already where they are in their cycle and how they can respond to certain items. But now, for me uh, to this have to discuss it with you also really helps to understand why certain tasks are going more easily at a stage of a month than. Um, yeah, other tasks. So yeah. it, if you remember what I'm trying to... Oh, no, I do. To, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. this is um, hormonal cycle mapping for um, people who are cycling. So it will be relevant to those people. Um, and being able to recognize that our hormones do affect us. It's not like we're linear machines where every day we wake up and we are able to put the same input in and get the same output out. We're just not designed that way. And we're more of a cyclical being, which means that we might have different energy for different tasks at different times of the month when our hormonal makeup is different. So this research comes um, actually from the sports world, working with women in high level sports and looking at what you can expect and what you can be good for as a strength and almost like a superpower at different stages of your cycle. So rather than thinking about it like a, oh no, I'm going to have no energy because I'm on my period or something like that, actually recognizing that, okay, I might not have really high energy levels, but I might have energy for really independent work. 
for introspection, uh, for creativity during that time. Mm -hmm. um, and all like all the different phases have different superpowers. So really spinning it on its head and getting aware of um, those cycles can help with planning, effectiveness, and also our outlook on life during those different um, like periods of your cycle. So yeah, mm -hmm. I'm so found so really insightful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I love the science. <laughs> so I've got a couple of questions to ask you before you finish, if that's okay. Sure. Um, the first one, and I always ask this question of people, um, if you could go backwards in time to any point on the timeline of your life and you could give yourself a piece of advice, like whisper it in your ear, which part of your life would you go back to and what would you say to yourself? Yeah, that reminds me of what we discussed earlier. Uh, that's the point to get to acceptance of switching uh, to quite some time. So I think if I already knew that I, for a long time I wanted something else, but was hesitant to switch. So if I just you could tell, tell myself, like, it's okay, there are options and, and it will be fine. Uh, maybe I would not have this uh, struggle for some months until I came to the <laughs> decision. Yeah. I love that, reminding ourselves that there, in any given moment, there are almost like infinite amounts of different options available to us. Yeah. And all will be well. Yeah, I love that. And how about your outlook on life going forward? Do you have like a plan going forward, a vision for where it is that you're heading next? So... What we discovered during our sessions and I think that uh, yeah, really highlight what's so important for me is to be able to express myself as a supporter so it's like I see the opportunities now within this company but I think this will be a key element in whatever yeah opportunity will be presented in the future that uh, I can express myself uh, uh, yeah in a supporter role yeah so um for those listening <laughs> who don't know what a supporter role is it's one of the talent dynamics, um, natural talent role profiles, um, and just making sure that the next steps that you take are more aligned with your talents to better express yourself in the world. And really the natural talents gaining excellence uh, levels at those natural talents can bring real joy into our lives as well. So I love that you're focusing on that during the next chapter and phase of your career as well. And a sneaky final question for you, Judith. <laughs> um what piece of um what piece of advice would you give to someone who was starting coaching with me they're just starting out what piece of advice would you give to them uh, yeah with you I just felt like I could open up in not just the work area but any area so and I think um exposing that as well will really help to um get most out of it so um uh, yeah i've uh, what to say like i felt really safe sharing more than just what uh was going on professionally and i think you could filter out of that what would be a good fit for me as well so yeah just be comfortable to open up and uh, share about uh life in general and i think that holistic view is so important because 
you know, what we do in one area of our lives is often replayed out in lots of different areas of our lives too. Mm -hmm. So the benefits that we have in coaching for career um, often impact home life, um, health, relationships, all kinds of different things. So um, I like to take more of a holistic view, like a whole person view of um, things rather than just, we are working solely on career because we are, but often there are other factors at play that influence that as well. So thank you for bringing that to the discussion today. And I couldn't stop talking to you. So um, it's a long one. So thank you so much for your time today. And I really appreciate it. And um, we can't wait to hear what you do next as well, Judith. Yeah, I also want to thank you because while talking to you, I come to realize more and more that it's already more than a year ago since our sessions and I still apply the tools we discussed. Um, I'm sure that will be valuable for many years from now. So thank you. And I appreciate your help with uh, all the help you offered during the transition. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to Women in STEM Career and Confidence. To get further support in your journey, join me in Breakthrough Unleashed on Facebook.